and welcome to another episode of Hit the Books Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Holcomb. And I'm Emery Saunders. And we're here to give you all the saucy deets on everything comics this week. For those of you unaware, this is your weekly comic book podcast where Emery and I, and perhaps a guest, run you through the latest news, the new releases coming to your local comic book shops. Please support your local comic book shops. And discuss the topic about the world of comic books for your amusement. If that sounds like a good time, be sure to hit like and subscribe and rate well elsewhere. It really does help us out. Remember, you can find the show on YouTube at our channel, Hit the Books. You can find us on Stitcher, on iTunes, on uh, Podbean. You can find us on Spotify. Uh, I guess it's not iTunes now. I guess it's Apple uh, yeah. Podcasts or something. Apple Plus. Something they, unnecessary. Uh, it, a- we're there. Yeah. We're there if you want it. Yeah. Uh, you can always check us out on our website, htbvids.com. You can check us out on uh, Twitter, at htbvids. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash hit the books. Um, we do have a Patreon that we would happily uh, accept any donations and support from our audience. Happily. Uh, <laughs> Patreon.com forward slash hit the books. Uh, we haven't updated it in a, quite a long time, so we will uh, get around to doing that now that the show is back on. As you might have noticed for our longtime fans and listeners, we are in a new studio. We have moved. Yep. Uh, it took us a few months here. Basically, we took a summer break and uh, got situated with the new studio, set things up. We're still setting things up, but uh, we got a nicer camera. We updated our mic system a little bit. We got more lights. I uh, got a new location. Emery's got a nice outfit. I mean, we got everything. Um, We're really moving up. <laughs> hopefully, this means a better product for you and a more regular product for everyone involved. And, of course, be sure to check out our other show, Hit the Mats Podcast, which I host with my brother Dan, the man Maloney. Uh, that will also be returning very soon here, so keep an eye out for that. Um, basically, for those of you uh, unfamiliar with our show, uh, we run you through uh, the latest news, talk about uh, what we've been reading, uh, and then we get into uh, the new releases coming to your local comic book shops this week. Um, we have a new format going forward where Emery will uh, be around to talk about who wins the cover and variant cover of the week, as per usual. However, for the reading of every cover uh, coming to your local comic shops on this Wednesday here... Um, he will no longer be uh, involved for that portion. Just to kind of expedite things, I can re- kind of record it separately. We don't have to waste a bunch of camera time and recording time and rendering time on getting that done. It'll also help out the show a little bit so people won't have to sit through the reading of all the comics coming this week if they don't want to. So uh, Yeah, th- trying to make a more reasonable runtime. Yeah, it will be still on YouTube for those who want to... Uh, Go and check out what the new releases are. We have this handy-dandy green screen behind us now, so I can actually project it on there instead of having to just put it randomly on the front of the screen. So hopefully it makes for a more interesting presentation. Uh, so be sure to keep an eye on that. Um, then, of course, we will get into the topic of the show after we read off the cover and uh, variant cover of the week. And uh, we will say our goodbyes and... Uh, ask you to return hopefully you will hopefully you'll like us enough (laughs) hopefully we'll say our see you next times (laughs) (laughs) all right so without further ado let's get into it emery what have you been reading (laughs) 
Uh, I have been reading House and Powers of X. So you were telling me a little bit about this off camera, but uh, why don't you inform our audience uh, what your thoughts are on this book? So for anyone who doesn't know what's happening with the X-Men as of late, um, Jonathan Hickman has decided to pen a weekly uh, alternating uh set of two six-issue stories that are interconnected. These are House of X and Powers of X. A lot of people have been referring to Powers of X as Powers of Ten, given how they follow like different you know, points of time. That being said, I'm still going to call it Powers of X because that's what it is. <laughs> These are X titles. Let's let's not kid ourselves here. Um, it's based on the premise of what if we somehow managed to come up with a, an alternate timeline in which uh, both uh, Professor Xavier and Magneto actually work together to save the mutants in the way that they think is the only way that's going to work. Which would be? Which would be making an entire island home for themselves on a mutant who's also an island called Krakoa. <laughs> thus uh, essentially seceding from the world. Sounds familiar. <laughs> um, about that uh, I can acknowledge that in a lot of ways this story is written pretty well it's very verbose but at the end of the day I completely and fundamentally reject the hypothesis on which this entire story is made There are a couple of reveals in there. Reveals that I am going to spoil for you right now because I hate them. <gasps> How dare you, sir? How dare I? How dare they make Moira McTaggart a mutant? <laughs> Everybody is made out of yellow balls. That's uh, the latest revelation <laughs> that we've gotten for this it, fucking story and it's wonderful <laughs> uh, no mostly because i get a lot of enjoyment out of uh, emery's misery <laughs> now for those of you unfamiliar i am typically more of the dc fanboy i get a lot of pain in my fandom it, you know it's not suicide to suicide be... squad it won an Academy <laughs> Award, sir. I don't know if you're aware. Um, uh, for hair and makeup. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, yeah, we're going to go there. You were the one who forced me to watch it. I, all right? I, I, I did. did. I wanted to just keep on living with my illusion that it was an Academy Award winning film. It had a wonderful trailer. So clearly it must have been a wonderful movie. 
I had no intention of seeing it to verify. Uh, right. And I, I forced you, you to suffer like the rest of us. You sure did. And <laughs> I hate you for it. Uh, so because he does things like this to me, I, I especially take Glee when uh, his fandom brings him misery as well. Uh, Misery loves company, and uh, nobody supplies it better than Marvel and DC. (laughs) As much as we we are positive on the, 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 the fandom, which is why we continue reading their books and supporting them throughout all of their work, because there is a lot of positive, but it's more funny to focus on the negative. So, carry on, sir. Gold balls. He had blue balls, but now he's allowed to release them. So now he has gold balls. Oh, my God. Okay, so this is the latest revelation is that the X-Men are incapable of staying dead. Good. They're incapable of staying dead because gold balls. Gold balls. Uh, it, Jonathan Hickman went out of his way to turn the balls that gold balls makes into eggs. They're eggs. Non-viable eggs that they have to inject DNA into. Hot. They have to get uh, the mutant elixir in order to give it the spark of life. That is how sex works. <laughs> they have to... They have to have the time-bending mutant Tempest age them to the age that they were before they died and to top it all off. I mean, Proteus warping reality to make the whole thing work, and that's whatever. Have it hope. The mutant hope making all of their powers work to peak performance. That's whatever. Professor X using his Cerebro as a soul save state machine? That's pretty dumb. That's pretty fucking stupid. Yeah, that's pretty dumb. Uh, You know, I'm not a religious guy. In fact, I think I'm pretty anti-religious. Maybe not anti-religious. That's a bad word. But as far from religious as you can get without being anti-religious. <laughs> uh, right. Uh, but even I am like, okay, so souls can be downloaded. That's fucking retarded. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, that's pretty fucking dumb. Uh, yeah. This is like at the core of all of us, there's this... I would argue innate knowledge that the soul is something that is mes- metaphysical. If you believe in the soul, there is some part of you that believes that there is more to the world than what exists in 3D space real time. Uh, thus making the idea of downloading someone's soul, essentially... Or information, or having like constant tabs on someone's soul and life experiences as something you can just save and redownload onto a fresh new fucking body. 
Don't worry, Emery. I've got a backup for you. Really? Yep. Oh, good. I can finally just stop. (laughs) (laughs) I'll just put the fishbowl on my head, uh, think really hard about those gold balls, and uh, you'll be good. You'll be good, brother. I'm going to put a fishbowl on my head so I can just stop breathing. (laughs) It's so goddamn stupid. Yeah, it's pretty dumb. I mean, I am not as hard on him for the initial premise of having her be a mutant and be trying different things throughout time to prevent dooming all of mutant kind because it seems like every time something happens, mutant kind ends up fucked over in one way, shape, or another uh, through all of these different routes she was trying. I'm actually kind of okay with that premise. That's pretty cool, in my opinion. Um, where you lose me is where you got the downloadable souls and the gold balls eggs and the uh, Mr. Sinister doing stupid things because he's a mutant now, apparently. And just that's where you start to lose me a little bit. You know, the initial concept is actually really cool and clever. And I, I actually give Hickman a lot of credit for that. I don't give him credit for everything that follows. Two issues in, the book is about segregation and why it's a better idea. I'm saying it. I'm saying it right now. (laughs) Hickman I don't think that was the focus. I I get that that's the unintentional message there, but I think the actual, like, thought was, hey, when we work together, we might be able to save the future, meaning, you know, Magneto and Xavier actually working together might save the future the problem like you were pointing out is that in order for them to work together they isolated themselves completely yes which is probably the wrong message you want to send with x-men which is oh all about you know (laughs) right it's almost like since their very inception the x-men have been about trying to harbor peace between man and mutant yep not unlike racism, sexism, you know, any type All of, of ism you can think of. Yeah. yeah the... Homophobia, whatever else. It's all included in that kind of broad scheme of the X-Men message. And you, you always got the kind of Martin Luther King-esque Xavier who's fighting for peace and inclusion and, you know, a mutual beneficial future. Whereas Magneto is more of the kind of Malcolm X, where fuck them, kill them, we're going to rise above it, separate ourselves from it, and by any means necessary. By any means necessary, yeah. yeah. And uh, they <laughs> certainly have strayed quite a bit from that in in the past few years. Unfortunately, Hickman kind of included in that. Yeah, yeah. L- l- look, I get it. Magneto's a cool character. But you don't need more than one of them. (laughs) When you turn Professor X into somehow a seemingly more uh, either calm down or seemingly about to like really let all of his shit go version of Magneto you you have missed the entire point 
of the subtext of these characters for the last 60 years. Yeah, it's it's not a good sign. It's not promising. And like I said, I get, I give Hickman a lot of credit for the initial premise, you know, at the bare bones outline, probably what he pitched to Marvel when he was, you know, laying out the groundwork for this run he was going to have. You know, that's that's kind of clever. You know, McTavish is secretly a mutant that was going through each of these different incarnations of the X-Men universe and seeing what worked, what didn't work. And it turns out nothing was working. So we're going to try the ultimate decision and try to have everybody unify in a way that might save the future. But uh, the devil's in the details in this one. The devil's definitely in the details. Uh, the biggest detail being... Hey, guess what? There's a secret space station that we had more McTaggart go all the way till about like a hundred years into the future to figure out what the hell got this whole thing started between the the war between like the final war between man and mutant and the final war between uh, both of them against the machines and the how everything eventually ended up playing out. For all of that, to have been turned into a suicide mission that literally only required one of them to just succeed from a distance. Sentinels are still made out of metal. Guess who's co-running the Island of Mutants? Magneto. Master of magnetism. Magnetism, huh? <laughs> Are there any distance limits? Or does his power only work in like an atmosphere? Or can he just do that wherever the fuck? Oh, wait. He used we to have his own fucking asteroid. Yeah, we pretty well established. He just does whatever he wants with that bullshit yeah so you know instead of sending everybody into a suicide mission into the sun how about we just have him sit on his ass and uh go woom, 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 as he pushes the fucking thing into the sun he could from a distance just dunk on this entire organization that's trying to make <laughs> it Here's I mean, you even if he had to get closer, because let's face it, space is big. Yeah, you, that's all you got to do. <laughs> yeah, get closer. Just get within range. Yeah, just, and just uh, go. Pay, eh. pay Cyclops's pirate dad, space pirate dad, to drive them a little closer. Boop, done. If Punisher can go across space, <laughs> I think we can drive Old Man Magneto's ass halfway across, uh, you know, the solar system. Right. Just to push a thing into the sun for us. About that. Problem solved. No one had to die. Great job, gang. Great job. No. The reason that that entire team had to die is is Gold Balls. The only reason that team died is so that we could see Gold Balls in action. Well, I guess we'll just see how Gold Balls... Uh, evolves in the story or doesn't evolve in the story we'll see they came from his balls <laughs> all of them 
and they were fertilized by Xavier's uh, thumb drive. So God damn it. <laughs> it's so stupid. It's pretty stupid. Have you been reading anything else, sir? Uh oh, uh Batman Curse of the White Knight. Very nice. The Cur- sequel. Oh yeah. To Batman the White Knight. Yeah. Which was excellent. Definitely. Uh this one takes a, a turn for the weird. Mm, that's concerning. Always concerning. Now, mind you Good weird, bad weird. Uh well Asriel's involved. Well, that's usually bad weird. <laughs> now, it might be okay, although, oh, weirdly enough, Sean Gordon Murphy is kind of doing a dual timelines thing where oh. it's like, oh, hey, this mm. is a Gotham City. It was founded by uh, a bunch of people from the 1600s, one of which had the last name Arkham and was kind of a nut. Uh, I can get down with that. Somehow the Waynes kind of took it and became the uh, primary, you know, uh, the the biggest name in town. Source of income, probably. And this story involves the Joker, like the Joker Joker, getting to the bottom of that and... What looks like unleashing all sorts of chaos and craziness. Mm. It, uh, the other twist to this is that we are taking the character. Uh, what's the name of what's Azriel's real name? It's like Michael. Some, some generic white dude name. Yeah, yeah, pretty generic. Uh, he is, in this case, a war veteran with cancer. And there is something in his brain that has, I'm going to be honest with you, kind of conveniently gone full crusader mode. Mm, okay, okay. I'm, I'm with you so far. Now, as you're telling me this, if it was any other writer or creator... I might not be as super into it, but Sean Gordon Murphy, he pr- he pretty much proved himself to be yeah, the story's... outstanding with the first run there. The, so The story still works. I give a lot of benefit of the doubt here. Yeah, it, it's a little bit of a weird premise, and it's a, it's a little out there, but so far the story still works. Awesome. That's good to hear. I can't wait to get into it. I've been looking forward to it, but I've just been busy, so I haven't gotten too deep into it. I've been playing more catch-up than anything. Yeah, there's a lot to catch up on. Yeah. If you haven't read uh, Sean Gordon Murphy's run, Batman the White Knight, please do. It's excellent. Superb writing and artwork. Yeah, it's really cool, really iconic. Probably, no, it has to be. It's my favorite Batman story, period. I thought there Um, was one gripe that you had with it. What was that grape? Oh, oh, that they, they, <laughs> they, yeah, they, they changed uh, my favorite character's backstory a little bit, which I didn't appreciate. But you know, it, it, yeah, they it kind was of, fine. They kind of lowered fine. him on the hierarchy I, a little bit. I didn't say it was my favorite Nightwing story. I said it was my favorite <laughs> Batman story. So you know, that's fair. That's I'll, I'll give you that. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you make him the second son? How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> How dare you, Sean Gordon Murphy? <laughs> but Jason, though. Fuck Jason. <laughs> Jason's a waste of time. That's why the fans voted to kill him. <laughs> it wasn't the writers. It was the fans that voted to fucking murder him. Right. God, uh, if only they there was a vote for Damien. Yeah. Oof. Oof. Yeah, that wouldn't have gone well. <laughs> I think people have warmed up to Damien, but yeah. Early Damien. Yeah, they would have murked that kid right away. Oh, yeah. So like quickly. Super edgy ninja boy. Yep. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to reading it. Uh, if you haven't read the first run, please do. It's really worth your time. It, it'll be, if you're a Batman fan, even a little bit, or a Joker fan, even a little bit, Harley Quinn fan, even a little bit, this will be one of your favorite books. Oh, it's know, good. Of all time. It's, it's that good. It really is great. Uh, I think it started around like 2016, ended in 2017. Does that sound about right? Roughly. Yeah, yeah. somewhere in there. Um, but yeah, definitely check it out. So uh, I haven't been reading a ton of comics, but I have been catching up on one particular comic. I finally got through all the way to the end of that Mr. Miracle run by Tom King. Uh, which started very, very strongly and was uh, one of our favorite comics of the year, I believe, a year or two ago. Oh, yeah, that yeah, was a breakout about, story. Yeah, two years ago, probably. Um, and unfortunately, I don't think it paid off in the end. I was, uh, you know... I finished it way before you did, and... Yeah. Yeah. It was, the artwork was very good all throughout, so uh, credit to the artist um whose name escapes me right at the right at the moment sorry about that (laughs) (laughs) i should know it i've been reading it but i can't remember his name um but uh yeah the story just kind of it dropped off a cliff about halfway through and it's not to say it wasn't interesting and the dialogue wasn't you know intriguing but the whole the whole story kind of hinted at this big secret or this big reveal that never quite happened. It was, it was more of just like a flaccid, you know, fart in the wind, you know, ending. <laughs> and I, I understand what Tom King was trying to convey uh, with that ending, but it, it didn't, it didn't ring true to the character for me. It didn't really. It didn't seem consistent with how the book started at all. Um, it seemed I felt like, like several of the issues, I'd say at least half of the issues, were completely unnecessary and didn't need to be there. You know, they didn't add anything to the context of the story or push the story forward. Uh, when you did finally get to the end, you know, you, you, there some questions were never really answered. Um some like qu- a lot of questions that weren't really answered. I mean, there was there was some issues. I mean, there's some t- interpretation to be had there, but uh, everything shouldn't be left to interpretation. There should be at least some kind of guiding force into some form of direction, not just like a shotgun ending that just doesn't land anywhere. It's not a big moment. In fact, it's a very boring kind of everyday moment. Nothing really happens in it. For context, I think Tom King had his kid uh, around this time, which I think is reflected very strongly about halfway through the book when Mr. Miracle, minor spoiler, has his own kid. And him and Big Barda are basically managing a war 
while they're coming home and taking care of their kids. So they're basically taking shifts on leading the war as a general on apocalypse. Um, and then coming back and taking care of their kid. And, you know, I don't know if he was just trying to inject a lot of his, you know, world at home into it. But, I mean, there was just panel after panel after panel after panel of just useless garbage about the baby and the baby making noises. And just, like, typical parent stuff, you know, like first child parent stuff, which is fine, but it's it didn't do anything for the story. It, it wasn't entertaining for me as a reader. Uh, it just... It was flat, and it, it really bummed me out because I thought this was going to be that big moment for Tom King. This was going to be his magnum opus. This was going to be this was going to be that book that just really pushed him into the stratosphere. And his career has had seen a little bit of a boost, but I think it was more on like the good vibes of that initial storyline. I mean, yeah, as much shit as I gave the book Grayson when that came <laughs> out because of the concept, not because of the actual production of it yeah you rejected that premise uh, the, the entire premise is stupid like it's just none, none of it worked as a premise and like the character was the wrong character to put in that spot it, they should have just made a new character and made it a secret spy character as a new person they, they could have just used midnighter it didn't honestly it didn't make any sense for dick grayson to be this random spy and to pretend like he was dead because jeff johns wanted to murder him and fans <laughs> were like fuck you stop trying to murder nightwing he's one of your most popular characters and he's like well i don't want to deal with circus boy and so they're like, we'll compromise. We'll like, we'll let Tom King pretend he's a secret spy and put a big G across his chest. Nobody will be able to figure out who he is when he acts like Batman and has a big G across his chest, despite the entire world knowing who Dick Grayson is now. But, uh, you know, the whole premise was dumb. But the book, the actual dialogue and the stories that were being built into the book and the, the action and the art was brilliant. The artist on Grayson was Top notch, did a wonderful job. There was actually a lot of intrigue and a lot of cool concepts. And I was like, Tom King, you know, despite the terrible concept that probably was forced more upon him than him actually saying, hey, I want Dick Grayson specifically. You know? Right. Um, I think it worked perfectly well. And I thought it was a really good story. And I was really excited for Mr. Miracle, especially after we read that first issue and saw that big splash page, you know. Oh, uh, yeah. Everybody knows. If you've read that book, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I won't spoil it for you if you haven't read it, read it yet. But, uh, yeah, I, I think back, you know, a couple of years ago when we were reading through this together, you know, I kept bringing it up to you. You seem more hopeful at the time than I was. But oh, I, yeah, I kept telling you, I was, I'm starting to think this is getting long in the tooth and just <laughs> nothing seems to be happening. And not, we're just getting the same bullshit every week. And now the baby's here and it's really like long and drawn out. Yeah. It, like I was under the impression that this book was going to be like, OK, once we get to like issue six, yeah. we're gonna stop dealing with the uh, the stuff on Earth and all that. Like him just s slowly moving his way more over to uh, the realm of apocalypse. Yeah, and uh, you know I'll, I'll try not to be as spoilerish as I can, but we never answered why everybody kept saying Dark Side is. There was really no answer for that at all. When, None. When Darkseid is relevant in the book, like, nothing really comes of it, and the way Darkseid behaves doesn't make any fucking sense. Um, in fact, Darkseid seems kind of fair, which is weird. 
Um, and <sighs> not not what you want from DC's version of the devil. Yeah, and then you, <laughs> and then you have all these different like characters appearing. Yeah, I mean, you get into the weeds with the anti-life equation about how Scott Free's cheating death, but then in the end, he decides not to cheat death-ish. You know, it's, it's it's very convoluted. And again, there's interpretation there. I think what he was trying to convey is he was choosing this, you know, idealized living uh, uh, rather than going back to reality and, uh, quote, escaping the anti-life equation, if that is truly what he was trying to convey. I, that's my interpretation of it. Um, but I don't it's not satisfying. <laughs> Uh, it's he, not. It's not conclusive. It doesn't seem to go anywhere. And it, I was. I was just disappointed. I, I it, felt let let down. I felt like I invested a lot of time and money a, into these books, and I was very let down by it. Yeah, artists usually only ever get one chance to make something as genre defining as Watchmen. Usually, only once, if that. Yeah. And Ever, especially not with characters like Mister Miracle, right? Who is very much a fringe character. Like, I know they're trying to make this Eternals movie at Marvel, and they're trying to make this New Gods movie at DC, but those characters have never been interesting. I'm sorry, they're not the ones that sell books for a reason. You got your big bads out of the groups, but that's about it. That's the only time they're relevant, right? Other than that, nobody gives a fuck about these characters. <laughs> like, it's just. <laughs> It's just reality, right? You can only you can only hope that, uh, well, to be quite honest, making a movie like Guardians of the Galaxy actually works. Yeah, and that's that was lightning in a bottle. Yeah, it's it's very rare that you you tap into something quite like that. And I I thought that Tom King had tapped into Mister Miracle in that way. Right. Uh, but about four or five issues in, it started getting long in the tooth. And by issue yeah. eight and nine, I was like, oh, man, this, it's like, this it, isn't going anywhere, yeah, is it? Tom King hadn't tapped into Mr. Miracle. It seemed like Mr. Miracle had tapped into Tom King. Yeah. It was it was a very pleasant surprise when it started. Un- unfortunately, I was disappointed. You know, if, if you're interested, I would say still read it. Just for the sake of getting more familiar with kind of the, the characters. Yeah. Because it is a good way to kind of dive into the the new gods mythology a little bit. And it is kind of intriguing and the artwork is very good. Um, so definitely check that out if you have the time. But y- you might not be satisfied with the conclusion of the book. And if you don't feel like finishing, you probably didn't miss much, to be honest with you. There are some nice, you know, shocking moments throughout it. But again, you expected some kind of explanation by the end, and you really don't get anything. So <sighs> that's that. It hurts. Um, so yeah, I'll leave uh, that one alone. That's that's pretty much all I've been reading. There are some fringe things that I've been picking up here and there, but those are the ones that are most recent and fresh in my memory. Um, I, as always, I'm picking up number ones off the shelf and giving them a shot here and there. But none of them, again, none of them have really st- stuck out to me recently. Um, I'm kind of, you know, we give Image a lot of credit on the show, mm-hmm. but I'm kind of disappointed. Image, Image really hasn't caught me with anything this past year, and I, I mean collective year from 2019 to 2018. I just haven't, they haven't struck me with anything big, and it's uh, kind of bums me out because I, I mean, a couple of years ago, two or three years ago, I mean every 
every month there was some book coming out and like really catching my interest and really, you know, making me want to keep diving into more. But I feel like all the companies really have a little bit of this going on, but I feel like it's kind of flat, kind of stagnant in the market right now. There's a bit of a lull. Uh, So, you know, hopefully there's some remedy to that. Hopefully uh, Sean Gordon Murphy gets things going a little bit again. Let's hope. I I know there's, you know, people were excited for Heroes in Crisis, but again, that's another Tom King book. Uh, Oof. But again, that didn't, in my opinion, that didn't really pan out. They have had these uh, black label books from DC coming out that, you know, have been pretty interesting and have been pushing things in a different direction. Even if you're not really into what they're producing, it's interesting at least. It's something different, which is kind of nice. Yeah. Uh, I do think it was kind of a mistake to get rid of Vertigo and make everything a DC book, despite it not being DC books. I, I still I, can't get over that. Because now I think people are confused they're picking up these books and thinking oh this is in the dc universe but it's not it's right so they should have just left vertigo as a, a separate label i know that it was probably a concern for sales but it and you know cost of production but i don't think it was beneficial um to kill vertigo and just make everything a dc label you know it's it's just my opinion you know take it for what it's worth probably not much but i i don't think it was a smart move yeah, I agree with you. That's uh <laughs> trying to keep things simple and easy to understand for people who are new to comics is what I think these companies would be going for. But it seems as though we are actually watching DC go the other way with trying to do the the black label things basically coming up with their own like rating system is like oh here we can have the adult books but over here we can have the the books for the kids and l- just make it all dc yeah so it's you know i do ag- think it was a good idea to split things up between you know age levels so you got the zoom which i think is like the kids level and then you got the main dc line and then you got the black label for adults that is a good idea. Yeah. What I don't think killing Vertigo and ma- integrating it into the black label books was a good idea, though, because now there's no separation mentally for consumers. They see a DC label on it. They're going to assume that's in the same universe. You know, DC and Marvel and, uh, you know, they're, they're not like something like Image or Dark Horse. You know, when you read a Dark Horse book, you know that it's not necessarily going to be in the same universe as the other Dark Horse books. Right. Image. You read an image book, you know it's not going to be in the same universe as these other image books, most likely. Same with, like, uh, you know, say Dynamite, or despite all of their crossovers they've been having lately, <laughs> for boobs. <laughs> we got to combine all the boobs. Uh, or uh, IDW. IDW is another good example. They use uh, yeah. a lot of properties. You don't expect Transformers to be in the same world as My Little Pony. All or right? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, so... Um, Unfortunately, with DC and Marvel, you don't have that benefit of the separation because everything is always connected. There's always some kind of crossover. There's the multiverses, you know, there's infinite realities, you know, that are all tied into each other in one way or another. Recently, because of Dr. Manhattan, apparently. Oh, Uh, Doomsday Clock. Which is fine, you know. It's an idea. It's something. I guess. But, uh... 
you know, it's it's a concern <laughs> uh, going into the future for people that want to write these, you know, independent books uh, separate from the actual DC universe, uh, such as Stormwatch, which has been a really great book from uh, Warren Ellis. Um, it, it, it's it just it's disappointing because I I, th- I feel like killing Vertigo doesn't serve the purpose they probably thought it served. Yeah, I think it was uh, ultimately kind of short-sighted. Yeah, so it is what it is, but I'm, I'm not personally a big fan of doing that. Uh, I figure that's a good place as any to get into the news. What say you, sir? Isaiah, let's do it. All right. Uh, first up on the news, we have uh, the Joker movie coming out very soon. October 4th is right around the corner. And it is receiving a lot of positive reviews. In fact, it's getting some Oscar-worthy buzz, which is very interesting. We might have a second Joker win an Oscar. <laughs> um, and based, based on the previews I'm seeing, it might be worth it. Well, I guess third Joker, if you want to count makeup. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to give that to them. Nope. <laughs> Um, but the movie, uh, you know, based on the previews alone, l- looks really, really cool. And I am really excited to see it, to be honest. It's an R-rated movie, which is a risk that DC rarely takes. If uh, ever. Warner Brothers in general. Um, yeah. Which is awesome, and I hope it pays out for them. You know, they spent very little on the movie. I think it was something like $35 million or something like that for the actual movie budget, uh, not not including promotion. So they got a ton of money saved up to promote the movie and make a pretty good profit on it. Uh, I hope it pays off for them, much like uh, Deadpool did, um, because you just have kind of the perfect situation. You have this kind of... Uh, almost fringe actor that's been kind of out of the limelight, you know, self, self-chosen uh, exile from mainstream Hollywood. Yeah. Um, and he's coming back and putting on a very cool role. I mean, his body transformations very much like uh, Christian Bale's and that movie, The Machinist. For those yeah. Of you familiar with his body transformation in that movie, it's creepy. Like. He's really going all out for this role. Uh, it's being produced by Martin Scorsese, which is another great sign. You got big names like Robert De Niro uh, lending a hand for this movie, which is always awesome to see. Um, I love the setting. I like how it's kind of a 70s-ish uh, environment, probably late 70s, early 80s maybe, uh, environment. Uh, featuring the Joker, which I think is the perfect era for a lot of the Batman, particularly uh, you know the the Rogues Gallery uh, universe. Yeah. I I I know they've already said they're not going to do this, but I think it would be brilliant if they actually made this upcoming Batman film in that universe and kind of had another you know, Nolan esque groundedness to it, but instead of going into the present staying in that kind of 70s 80s environment early 80s because once you add cell phones to the mix things start falling apart in superhero world you know yeah marvel kind of gets around it because a lot of their characters rely on things like technology and you know science accidents you know yeah they're not really the cape crusader and his underpants you know (laughs) dancing across the city at night and beating up you know 
beating fi- up randos. Fifties era thugs, you know, and <laughs> and pinstripe suits in smoking cigarettes and cigars. Uh, you know, it's just not gonna get me, copper man. Yeah, it's, <laughs> unfortunately, as much as we love it in the comics, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense in the present day environment. Oh know? yeah, no, because that's just not what crime is today. Yeah, know? no, um, Batman, while cool really doesn't make sense in the modern day. Yeah, and there there are rumors about this upcoming movie, this Batman movie being more noir and maybe not being set in the present, which is a good thing, but I, I think, would prefer the 90s. I think it's a mistake to say, "Oh, it's not going to be related to the Joker universe at all," especially if it's a big hit. Because you might have something, you might have lightning in a bottle. Yeah, right there on the table for you to snatch. Right. I think that if for some reason they commit to the two being separate, that might be, I don't want to say it's an ego thing, but I, I could easily see it being like a director wanting to keep his thing untouched or tarnished by being included in a shared universe that he doesn't really agree with. Yeah, so it's it's gonna be interesting. I really hope it is good. Yeah, you know, there's very few movies I wish are bad. Uh, there's one coming up that I hope is bad, <laughs> and I hope people don't see, which we'll get to in the next news item. Um, but this is one of those movies I hope really blows it out of the park and hit, just is a big hit at the box office. You know, up to this point. Of all movies I've seen this year, I think Shazam is my favorite. I don't know how you feel. Oh, I'm definitely on board with Shazam. Yeah, Shazam was awesome. If you didn't, haven't seen it, it it didn't do huge numbers at the box office when you're talking, you know, superhero movies that make a billion dollars for no goddamn reason, like <laughs> Captain Marvel did. Oof. Uh, that mo- the movie was fine, but it did not deserve a billion dollars. I'm sorry. It's a two. Same with Aquaman. <laughs> Aquaman did not deserve a billion dollars. China. I'm looking at you, China. Quit going to these terrible movies. Uh, okay. I know you can't understand the translations, but fuck. Uh, it wasn't look, that good. Okay. Give Jason Momoa something. He's fine. He's not the problem with that movie. It's everything else. <laughs> <laughs> uh, He's the nugget of gold uh, in the, what seems like a very confused mess. Yeah. Uh, and Black Manta did not need to be in that movie. <laughs> and the guy who played ba- Black Manta was terrible. He was he should Awful. have saved him for the second one. Awful. <laughs> he would he would be bad on a TV show, let alone Ooh. a big. He was really that bad. Oh man, he was Come bad. On. They could have found someone better. It's a li- they sh- give, the give... dad played a better Black Manta than he played. <laughs> they should have no. just let the dad who died for no reason be Black Manta. Oh, you mean discount Carl Weathers? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, I don't know who that actor's name is, and I don't care to look him up. <laughs> I feel like if I don't know his name, perhaps he can redeem himself in the future because I won't recognize him. Right. Um, you you got to do something that hits, man. But, you know, maybe it's the director's fault. I think it was probably his fault because everybody else seemed to act okay. Uh, it was more the the presentation that was my issue on that story. Um, but the octopus, though. So <laughs> why do we need the Little Mermaid octopus playing the drums? Because it's cool. Is it? Yes. Uh, Come on. Let's uh, have a little fun. Come no. on. No. Come on. <laughs> I refuse. <laughs> you refuse to have fun. No, I refuse to perpetuate this terrible Snyderverse. 
And that's all this is doing. Uh, it wasn't a bad movie. It just wasn't a great movie. It did not deserve a billion dollars. Just let it be a slow Captain transition. Captain Marvel was not a good movie. It was a okay movie. And it was it did a terrible not, movie. It did not deserve a billion dollars. Fuck that movie. Uh, yeah, Emery hates it. Uh, I think it's fine. It's just fine. It ruins everything it touches. Uh, including Spider-Man. So getting to the next two, <laughs> uh, it, yeah, that's true. Uh, getting <laughs> it ruined Endgame too. Oh, it really ruined Endgame. Uh, it's a two. <sighs> Captain Marvel's a two. <laughs> <laughs> Check out our review if you want to know more of our thoughts. Oh uh, yeah, we will have a review of Spider-Man: uh, Far From Home. I'm sure in the near future. We were both kind of down on it, which sucks because for me, Homecoming is my favorite Spider-Man movie. Period. And probably my favorite Marvel Universe movie, I think. I'd have to watch them all over again, which I have been with my girlfriend. But I, I think Homecoming is probably my favorite movie. And for me, uh, Far From Home is my least favorite. I like it somehow even less than Captain Marvel. Wow, that's, that's <laughs> bold. I don't think it's that bad, but it's definitely in the bottom like 10. I feel like that movie was cucking me <gasps> with Tony Stark's dick wow oh oh tony tony put it away tony uh, oh god god I, oh. It's, I didn't ask for this can you at least take your glasses off i wanted a spider-man movie <laughs> <laughs> i expect a review on that in the near near future uh next up on the news the movie i don't want to succeed uh, and I openly admit to not wanting this to succeed, is uh, Birds of Prey and the Fabulous Emancipation of Harley Quinn. Uh, it's released several trailers and teasers, and uh, in my opinion, looks awful. Uh, I thought the idea was really stupid when I heard about it. I don't see why it serves any story purpose to have Harley Quinn in a Birds of Prey movie. How are you going to have a Birds of Prey movie but not have Batgirl in it, who is a key member of the Birds of Prey, uh, hence the name Birds of Prey. Um, How is it Birds of Prey if there's a bat in it? You're going to have Huntress and you're going to have Black Canary who are going to get ruined in the Snyderverse, which means we won't get to see a good version of them outside of this Snyderverse for a while, which is very annoying and very disappointing. Uh, This movie is going to completely overrun with Margot Robbie's uh, Harley Quinn, (laughs) which, you know, I don't have anything against Margot Robbie, but I do have a lot of problems with this version of Harley Quinn. Uh, who if is, you're going to make a Harley Quinn movie, why don't you just call it a Harley Quinn movie? That would be appropriate. <laughs> if you, I wouldn't be so against this movie if you just made it a Harley Quinn movie. It, but no, it, we're it, going to call it Birds of Prey and then tag Harley Quinn in on the end of it and then make the whole movie about Harley Quinn, uh, who is going to be facing uh, Ewan McGregor's uh, black mask, who is not wearing uh, the signature black mask and is, in fact, just wearing a white pinstripe suit. And uh, cackling like an idiot. And, uh, oh, by the way, in the promo stuff, we had to let everybody know that Black Mask is gay. Because somehow that's relevant to his character and the plot. Come on, guys. He's a fucking gangster. Like, like what the fuck? Did... Uh, even oh. if you're trying to, like, be, oh, look at us. We're being progressive. That's a great thing. We're being inclusive. It's the villain. It's the villain. You're saying that bad guys equal gay guy. 
Uh, That's not the message you probably want to send. Why are you advertising it? It doesn't make any fucking sense. Hey, guess what? There's already a character who's a part of the LGBTQ community in that entire cast. Her name is fucking Harley Quinn! (laughs) Yeah. This would Uh, have been, if you're gonna make it about the emancipation of Harley Quinn, I hate that tag, how about you introduce Poison Ivy? Yep, problem solved. Look how progressive you are. Great job. Applause around everybody. You did a great job. How did we take this character that would have been perfect to actually, you know, it's like, you know, we've actually written stories about her being uh, bi at the very least, in some cases, just straight up lesbian. Uh, we're we're going to make sense because Joker, you know, but you know, whatever. Yeah, we're we're going to completely gloss over that and maybe not even touch on it at all, and instead, um, Black Mask. Why not Black Mask? You know why who, can't he be into dudes? You know who I really feel sorry for. I really feel sorry for Ewan McGregor because he is a legitimate great actor. But he just keeps shoving himself into these terrible movies. <laughs> he's got to get a new agent or something. I don't know if he's a DC fan, but if he is, he should have chosen a different movie. Asked to be in the Joker movie. Asked to be in the you know the James Gunn Suicide Squad movie. Maybe that'll be better. You know, I probably not. But you know, between it, this... not that it can be worse than the previous one, but. Uh, Come on, dude. There's there's some rebooting going on. You can take advantage of it. Don't be in this movie. It's going to be awful. No one should see it. I, I hope that nobody goes and sees this. I know they're going to try to you know, advertise Harley Quinn as the reason to go see this movie. Don't go see this movie. This isn't even Harley Quinn. She's not wearing anything reminiscent of Harley Quinn. She's wearing like black and yellow like short booty shorts and like she's got pink and blue in her hair Ooh, now she's harley quinn well guess what she's like 90 percent of the chicks you see in the short north here in columbus all right <laughs> like there's there's nothing harley quinn about that uh just i don't i don't like it i don't want to like it you know if it comes out and everybody's like holy shit it's amazing you know maybe i'll chance it but Unless the reviews are good, don't go see this movie. Please don't go give this movie your dollars. There's better things to do with your life than support this movie and support the Snyder verse any longer. Just let it die. There's a reason why they edited the cameo at the end of Shazam. Just let the movie die. Just let the Snyderverse die. It doesn't need to be connected to anything. Just let it die. Yeah, Please. I feel bad for Ewan McGregor too. Like between this and being stuck probably returning to Disney Star Wars. Oh, uh, yeah, dude. You you got to get some kind of contract where you actually get to ch- choose after you read the script. You know what really annoys me? We're wasting Idris Elba on the next Suicide Squad movie. Oh who is also going to star Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn. Hey, stop. Guess what's what's probably a a bad sign for this movie? Pete Davidson. I have no idea what Pete Davidson from SNL 
is doing in this movie at all. Yeah, I. Uh, Apart I, from maybe still getting over Ariana Grande. Yeah. Another, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> another person I feel really bad for is Viola Davis. Viola oh, Davis. Oh, you mean the the one good actress in yes. that entire like ensemble? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> because she plays the role perfectly. She is the perfect person she to play her character. She is Amanda Waller. And the problem is we can never use her again because she's already in the Snyderverse. And if you try to transplant her like they're trying to do with Margot Robbie and they're probably going to try to do with uh, Jason Momoa, it's going to be confusing to everybody involved and no one's going to buy it. Uh, you know, they're making this Ezra Miller flash. Please don't. <laughs> Just... <laughs> I really genuinely hope this Joker movie makes a lot of money, you know, along with Shazam, and they see, oh, we can invest a lower amount of money. We don't have to invest $300 million in CG bullshit effects and bad writing and stupid eye-winking moments for the audience and playing catch-up with Marvel. We can just make good stories and good movies at a low budget and make a really nice, profitable return on it. That's what I hope they realize with Joker. And if Harley Quinn does really well after the Joker movie, it's going to shit all over that that message. And unfortunately, we need people to vote with their wallets. The downside to that is that China doesn't really vote with their wallet. There's nope. 1.2 billion people in China, something like that. Uh, maybe I'm thinking of India. It's a lot of fucking people. And they have a lot more money than they used to uh, across the average citizen. And when you're translating shit, just like with us, you know, Americans watching anime, like <laughs> we don't care that the pronunciation and the voice acting is ridiculous and over the top because it's all translated and we give it the benefit of the doubt. Right. It's the same thing with our movies. They see big, pretty CG filled action flick. They don't care what they're saying. They just take the translation at face value and say hey they're just emoting like they would if they were in america yeah uh, so i really hope this emancipation of uh harley quinn movie doesn't make a lot of money and i hope none of you see it i'm not even going to tell you when it comes out because i don't want you to see it next up on the news we got uh, a lot of the details on the disney plus app that is going to slowly devour the world um Disney Plus is announced several superhero shows. Uh, those shows include Falcon and Winter Soldier, Loki, Hawkeye, WandaVision, She-Hulk, Moon Knight, Miss Marvel, and Marvel's What If. There are also two documentary series. Uh, one's going to be kind of a behind the scenes of the movies, kind of sh showing you how they made the movies, what was going on behind the scenes, what the actors were doing. Um, and then the other one is going to be a show about uh, kids being inspired by superheroes to do great things in their communities. Great. Uh, for what that's worth, uh, I'm sure everybody will watch that. <laughs> mm -hmm. It makes a good YouTube video. Probably not a great uh, full-length documentary. But Yeah. yeah. Um, so s small details on what we've got so far. Falcon and Winter Soldier is going to take place after the events of Endgame. And as you would probably guess, it's going to be Winter Soldier and Falcon working out how to work together uh, post uh, Captain America deciding uh, to hang up the shield, more or less. 
I uh, will not spoil the end of Endgame, but you've probably seen it by now. Uh, Captain America, safe to say, is out of action for the foreseeable future. Um, Loki is apparently going to be a history-hopping uh, kind of fray where Loki goes around uh, manipulating different things and different time periods and different actions and playing around and being the general... Uh, charming asshole he can be you know what that sounds like marvel's version of quantum leap great (laughs) (laughs) doesn't make a lot of sense but all right you know we got they've admitted there's a multiverse now so you know yeah um (laughs) next up we have the hawkeye show this show is going to focus on hawkeye uh grooming the next generation of uh hawkeye uh, what what's her name again? Uh, always escapes me. Kate Bishop. Kate Bishop. Thank you. Yeah, Kate Bishop is going to be groomed on the show by uh, the current Hawkeye. Uh, then we have Wandavision, which is not going to be like you know pre End Game stuff like I thought it might. It's actually going to be a post End Game show uh, where Wanda is just doing things and based on the name of the show i'm assuming she's going to be searching for a way to revive vision in some way shape or form uh we'll see how that goes from the still shot or the uh image that they posted it looked pretty dick van dyke which i can only assume means that there's going to be some uh like, we're going to get really into her powers, I think, with this one. Yep. So we'll see how that turns out. Uh, could be great. Could be meh. Who knows? Uh, we haven't really gotten many details on She-Hulk, Moon Knight, and Miss Marvel. They're pretty far out in production, uh, according to uh, the, the press conferences they had at their convention there. And then Marvel's What If is just going to be an amalgamation of what if things went in this direction during these events and this timeline and this actor actress's portrayal of such and such character. So that'll be interesting if, uh, you know, what if comics are fine because they're usually one issue and it's like, Oh, that's, that was cool to see that character do this thing and this outfit and, you know, have things portrayed this way. Right. I don't know if it's going to work for a TV show and, you're paying these actors and actresses to play the roles they've been playing in the movies. Apparently uh, it's going to be animated for, Oh really? Yeah. Wow. That's even worse. So I did, <laughs> I did, I did see like still shots of, uh, uh, what's Captain America's girlfriend, Peggy, uh, Peggy. Thank you. Peggy Carter, you know, in her classic outfit from the, you know, the forties, yeah. uh, doing her thing as kind of, promo footage for this but maybe it wasn't footage at all maybe it's just a still shot because they hadn't made any animation yet so right yeah take everything with a grain of salt that's what they're doing now disney is clearly shelling out a lot of money because these are in a lot of cases you know uh a tier actors and actresses that are very much in demand right now and they're getting paid a shit ton of money to play a streaming television show character. We keep giving them money, so So, I guess it tracks. uh, And, you know, Disney is on (laughs) its journey to murder the rest of the media market. 
and devour Gorsh. it. Uh, which, you know, could be concerning. It's definitely concerning for me. Um, but we'll see what develops from that. Spoiler uh, for our topic of the show today. We might just be getting into that. So I'll leave that where it is, and uh, we'll jump into the next topic. Uh, speaking of conflicts that may brew in the market, <laughs> uh, we have the breakup between Disney and Sony. They had a nice little union going on, uh, shaking hands, uh, agreeing to share the money for Spider-Man and the two movies we got, three if you count Civil War, um, more if you count uh, Infinity, Infinity War, War and Endgame. Endgame yeah. um, That's five movies total. Basically, uh, Sony agreed to let Disney use the, the Spider-Man property again uh, to pr- produce these movies. Uh, Sony did very little in terms of funding the movies, um, but basically got to reap a lot of the benefits and a lot of the awards for it. Uh, so they made a good bounty on it based on uh, Disney's work and production. Yeah. Um, and we got some good good performances out of it. I think, we, in my opinion, we got the best Spider-Man uh, we, in my opinion, we got the best supporting cast uh, for Spider-Man. I really like his friends and the the other school. I don't, you know, I don't like his boy quite as much because I, I don't. Everyone has an issue with Flash. I don't think it was a very good Flash or portrayal of a version of Flash. I get what they were aiming for, the kind of new age. You know, it's we're like, it's more bullying through the digital platforms and social media than actual this is, bullying. This is what a bully looks like today. Yeah. It's, it's, Okay, uh, I'm pretty sure he's still a dweeb. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure if he was in high school, I, I, he would still be a dweeb. Yeah, that uh, that bully would have his own bully. Uh, maybe I've been <laughs> out of school too long, but I, I would assume he would still be a dweeb. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't buy into that, but I did enjoy everything else. I really, really love Homecoming, as we pr- previously established. I really liked him in Infinity War, and my God, that death squeal in oh Infinity War. God. Oh, Uh, every paternal instinct i have ever had is just (laughs) awakened by tom holland's death squeals in both homecoming and infinity war yeah my god that kid can pull tears out of me he wow like that boy i just that was curl him in a little ball and cradle him and protect him forever (laughs) and say it's like not my baby (laughs) don't you touch my baby how dare you yeah uh thanos how could you and then Civil War, he is pretty entertaining in Civil War, and I would argue probably one of the best moments in Civil War is him showing up uh, at the airport, which is great. So Far from home, you can have him back. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Far from home was, uh, unfortunately, it seems like a really, really poor writing issue with Far from home, and not so much a portrayal issue. I think we changed yeah, too that... many of the supporting cast and the stupid characters we made. We made Nick Fury stupider than we already made him in Captain Marvel. Um, Captain Marvel ruins everything it touches. She really did ruin Nick Fury. Oh, my God. Um, (laughs) Yeah, just nothing about that movie worked for me, and I was was pretty disappointed. Um, But other than that, it's been pretty successful, and even Far From Home, despite Emery and I not liking it very much, uh was very successful for the studio and certainly made them a lot of money so um you know it's it's sad to see them break up 
I kind of wish Marvel would kind of wrap things up and say, you know what? Now we got the X-Men back. We got the Fantastic Four back. Sony, what is it going to cost us to get Spider-Man back as well? Or at mm-hmm. least be able to use him for a reboot into the future? Uh, from what I hear, they're actually it might actually be something that uh, Disney is considering, just writing them a check for the rights back. Yeah, and they probably should. I mean, let's face it, you know. You're uh, not going to get it back any other way. Do you really want to play these do do dancing around the, the issue games? Now, if you're Sony, why would you ever give up these rights? Uh, I, I'm you, not sure there's would, a price that could justify giving up the rights. You would if you were about to be bought out. Well, that's a concern. <laughs> <laughs> Which, Apple, uh, I'm looking at you. <laughs> well, I, I would hope not. That would mean some issues for the playstation platform which i do not want (laughs) right but Uh, uh, it i think i heard either um apple or actually amazon was considering uh either purchasing sony or at at the very least purchasing sony's entertainment department which would then result in a like what would count as a i think a dissolution of the the part of the contract that keeps Spider-Man at Sony. Yeah. Like, if that happens, like, all the rights just go back back. and Sony doesn't get a dime. Yep. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, But, uh, you know, on one one side, it's like, yeah, it's kind of sad that we're not going to see Tom Holland Spider-Man for the foreseeable future. But on the other hand, you know, he did his role. He played his part. Um, I'm happy we at least got that much. And, you know, I don't blame Sony for wanting to protect those rights and, you know, kind of enforce things. Although, from what you've told me about Venom, maybe it's, <laughs> maybe it's not the best thing in the world. Uh, it, the success of Venom, you can blame on China. <laughs> Thanks, China. <laughs> China. China. I, I'm saying it right now. Uh, in terms of superhero movies, the Ven- the Venom movie is right up there with The Room. Wow. That's rough. <laughs> I'm just saying. I haven't seen it yet because Emery hated it. and most, Usually Emery's right. but uh, Most of that movie is Tom Hart- Hardy grunting weirdly and putting things yes, in his mouth yes, weirdly. Yes. And then yes. kind of talking to himself. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> rolling down the street like uh, a turd in the wind. God, awful. <laughs> awful, right? Turd in the wind should have clued everyone into the movie you were watching. Yeah, it's pretty bad. <laughs> uh, next up on the news, uh, Robert Pattinson, famous for his role in Twilight as the sparkling vampire, has been cast as the new Batman. Ooh, he's double dipping. He's double dipping in bat bat rolls. <laughs> <laughs> now, I saw kind of a, a a lot of negativity about this, um, and I get it. You know, your your brain associates him immediately with this kind of sparkly vampire, you know, tween we're, romance. We're associating thing. him with the biggest thing that he's ever done, and I get it. It's understandable, but he's not a bad actor. You know. Uh, he's I, been earning indie cred. He's he's made some good films. He's done some good things. Uh, now my concern is more about his jawline uh, in that cowl. 
Because when you're in that cowl, like, really, <laughs> if you got a very feminine, pointy face, it's not going to look right. Um, uh, his jaw's actually pretty square. Is it? I, I, I mean, don't think so. Uh, I, yeah, compare he, Affleck's chin to his chin. Come on, man. <laughs> he, he has, like, a five-year-old's chin. Uh, okay. That ain't going to show. To be fair... To be fair, it's unfair to compare anyone's chin to Ben Affleck. <laughs> Let's be real. The butt chin. Glorious butt chin. <laughs> that was uh, the only reason that Snyder was anywhere interested in doing anything DC. He wanted to eventually get to Batman and show yeah. off that fucking chin that Ben Affleck has. Yeah. Now, in all fairness to Robert Pattinson, Christian Bale doesn't have a big chin either. Not even and a little. He, quite frankly, he looked pretty scrawny in that bad outfit. Now, he's supposed to be a ninja, so it kind of works, but he was not the most intimidating dude in the world. He had the uh, physicality of a Robin. Yeah, he really I'm did. saying it he right did. now. He did. As as jacked as he tried to be, he just didn't he, quite He had cut the it. physicality of Tim Drake, Robin. He had the physicality of me, uh, which, is, <laughs> which is concerning, uh, to say the least, when it's you got like, Batman. I, now, I, then I, we went into the exact opposite extreme with the Snyderverse, where we had ridiculous <laughs> fat bat. Who is a big old monster? Yeah, he could finally turn his neck in the suit, but it didn't matter because he had too much glutes and bullshit <laughs> blocking him from actually turning his neck. He looked uh, like he had the man couldn't breathe. <laughs> he looked like he had Alfred around so he could pay someone to wipe his ass. Yeah, he had he had like the distended gut, you know, from the steroids. I'm assuming, but it's just he. he he, he not everyone can uh, I'm sorry. take Anavar well. He did now the to his credit, he he was extremely intimidating in those fight scenes. Like when he wrecked and those Batman v Superman. When he wrecked those people in the in the factory in, in BBS. In, in that one movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he didn't really have a fighting scene in the other movies. He shot a gun in Justice League for pretty much the entire time, which was and Kay. <laughs> maybe alluded to being kind of into Superman a little Hat. bit. <laughs> Hat. It's like, I don't not like you. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a literal line. <laughs> I can't believe that's a literal thing that Batman said <laughs> in Justice League. Oh, it's so cringeworthy. Um, Over there looking like he wished he had Aquaman hair to twirl. Yeah, So, but... I, uh, based on what I'm hearing about this new Batman film, that it's going to be more noir focused. It's going to be more Batman being the detective he's supposed to be that we never really get we, in we the movies. Never, the closest we got was Dark Knight, and even then, he was heavily tech uh, tech assisted. Yeah, he's very reliant on Fox to do everything for him. <laughs> um, I need so, you to put this phone in this building. Oh, good. Now I see everything. Thanks. Uh, oh, I'm gonna take these uh, bullet shrapnel things, and I'm just I'll scan it and let the computers do it. Yeah. So yeah, I I actually do give Robert Pattinson a lot of credit if he's in this kind of noir Batman universe. I hope that they do kind of if even if they don't directly connect it to the Joker universe. If the Joker movie's good, I would like to see it more in that aesthetic, the kind of late '70s, early '80s, something vibing in that era. Um, and I think Robert Pattinson could be perfect for that. Yes, and I, I have a lot of hope. I think he he might be able to pull it off, especially as a young Batman, you know, who's starting off, who's you know, 
uh, who is this kind of pampered rich boy who grew up with a silver spoon in his mouth, more or less, but has been driven behind the scenes to kind of write things in his own way. So, yeah, I'm really into it. I hope he's not too discouraged by the negativity on the internet, but uh, we've seen several other people get a lot of negativity when their role was announced. Heath Ledger being one of the big ones. Oh yeah. That everybody points to, but uh, sometimes there's negativity and it's warranted. <laughs> like uh, Jared Leto. Oh, Jared Leto. Jared Leto. Especially <laughs> that was a big one. That was Oof. very warranted. Eisenberg. <laughs> oh. Uh, oh God. Yeah. As, Almost forgot about as Lex him. Lex Luthor. And, uh, I can never forget. <laughs> you want a Jolly Rancher? No! Oh, God. Don't you dare put that ding, in my ding, mouth. Ding, 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 It's not Lex Luthor. The red it's capes are coming. You. The red capes are coming. God. <laughs> movie's so awful. Ugh. That character is so awful. That character isn't Lex Luthor. Not even a little bit. Yeah, the Even perfect... Shazam had a better Lex Luthor. The sad thing is they had the perfect person for the role, and they didn't use him, and now he's too old. You're talking about Cranston? Yes. <sighs> Brian Cranston would have been perfect. He had all the hype. He had just gotten done with Breaking Bad. He had an open schedule. Everybody was already totally sold on him being bald. He's perfect. He's perfect. And you didn't use him. Nope. Instead, you went with Eisenberg being... Nope. Kind of jokerish bullshit Lex Luthor who sucks at his job. Maybe Walter White didn't want to be bald anymore. I'm pretty sure he wanted to do it. I'm pretty <laughs> sure he literally asked WB, WB to give him the role. Wait, what? Yes. What? <laughs> he said it across the news, across and, the media. And they said no? No, because they wanted their new version of Lex Luthor that no one was going to see coming. Oh, my God. They were on Coke on that one. Oh, they were definitely on Coke. They were on Coke <laughs> for a lot of these decisions. <laughs> and uh, I blame uh, I blame Zack Snyder for a lot of them. Um, although, you know, WB is notorious for having insane producers that ruin everything. So, yep. Uh, Kevin Smith has some pretty funny stories about it. If you <laughs> feel like checking those out, uh, Wild Wild West might be a good, <laughs> a good example. Uh, why a certain Superman movie was not made. <laughs> now, to be fair to that movie, I like that movie. What? <laughs> yes, I love that movie. <laughs> I embrace all the ridiculousness. I love Will Smith, and I enjoy that movie. There is a scene in which, and I shit you not, I wish I was making this up from a fever dream or something. Will Smith is testing out Kevin Klein's boobs. And it's amazing. Why? It's comedy gold. Oh, God. Mm. I love it. It's, it's so ridiculous. It's low-hanging fruit. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing gets me better than low-hanging fruit. <laughs> Come on. Like, if you look back at all the classic Mel Brooks movies, so many of them were low-hanging fruit. This is just, It was just a modernized Mel Brooks movie. <sighs> Damn it. See? <laughs> told you doesn't mean i like it though (laughs) (laughs) i like it uh i'll let you have that one next up on the news uh we got some information on the new gods movie that warner brothers is trying to produce uh it has been given a director and a writer the director will be uh ava duvernay who is most well known for directing a wrinkle in time starring oprah 
and then writer Tom King, who we have talked about a lot today. Uh, so that movie's going to tank. Well, it's going to be depressing. <laughs> we know that much. It might be great, but it's going to be depressing, guaranteed. Is Oprah going to show up as God again? <laughs> uh, so, you know, I, I, you know, I... I don't wish this movie to be bad. I just hope it's not connected to the Snyderverse. Because if it's connected to the Snyderverse, it will be bad. If it's not, it could be good. Who knows? Tom King, could you maybe lighten up when you write this movie, please? (laughs) Well, he's literally going to be writing about DC's version of Hell. So maybe don't lighten up. Although I think this is going to be his first like real movie writing role. Yeah, I, well, I don't think he has any movie credits yet. Yeah, for this movie, you we'll you've got both New Genesis and Apocalypse, so th- you gotta you gotta balance him out a little bit. Yeah. It's like I can get the depressing shit with Apocalypse; that makes sense. But New Genesis, though, <laughs> the All Father will be okay. Probably the all mother by the time we get to it. Hot. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying. <laughs> if Ava DuVernay casts Oprah Winfrey again in what would basically be the same fucking role, I'm calling it now. You know, that's fine. You know, she'll probably give out some stuff. That'll be fun. <laughs> uh, you get a new guy. I'm not really You'll sure get a why guy. Oprah is starring in anything anymore. She's one of the richest people on the planet. She's yeah. worth like tens of billions of dollars. What does? Why is she what, starring what, in movies? What do rich people do when they have more money than they need? I don't understand the, the, what the, the motivation the, is. The answer is whatever the fuck they want unless she was just like a really big fan of a wrinkle in time and just uh, really wanted to play that specific role or ava duvernay maybe had something on her as like look i need <laughs> you to be in this movie i got some I, shit on you and i, I need you to be in this movie. one of your coke fever dreams all right <laughs> i need someone to fund me <laughs> do it or else all right you get a movie <laughs> uh we're not saying these things happen, folks. We just think it's kind of weird that a person who has tens of billions of dollars is choosing to star in A Wrinkle in Time. If I see Color Purple 2 Electric Boogaloo as a thing, I'm just saying <laughs> Hollywood's gone. Hollywood's officially gone if they do that. Why? <laughs> uh, and then the final piece of fun news. Uh, something fun to leave with. Uh, Tom Welling, famous for playing uh, Clark Kent on Smallville, and personally, my generation's Superman, I think more so than anybody else, uh, has been confirmed for the uh, CW crossover crisis event, uh, which is very cool. Hmm. And I'm happy to see. I think it'll be a lot of good fun. There's been some uh, fun kind of uh, artistic portrayals of him as an older individual in the Superman outfit uh, from the Smallville universe, which is very cool. Although I should note, Chloe will not be included in this crossover. And we all know why. Oof. Because, <laughs> That's uh, a big oof. 
she <laughs> was in real life uh, arrested and prosecuted for uh, basically recruiting women and then enslaving them in the sex trafficking trade uh, under this weird sex cult, which is always good fun. How will you get involved in that after having such a kind of big role for so long? And I would assume being financially secure and I, I just don't know how you end up at that point. Yeah. I guess it takes all kinds. Yep. So that's interesting. Uh, makes me sad because Chloe was probably my favorite character on Smallville. And it, bu- it bums me out that uh, the real life person kind of sucks. <laughs> much Have like, a lookalike uh, play the role. Fuck. Yeah, much like uh, Gwyneth Paltrow and the Iron Man <laughs> movies, who I also am quite fond of in the movies and not so fond of the person. <sighs> yep. Separating the art from the artist. It's a tough world out there, folks. Yep. So, uh, without further ado, it's time to give out the much-anticipated award of cover and variant cover of the week. Oh, it's back, boys and girls. (laughs) Very nice. (laughs) First up. Also, uh, boys and girls and... uh, Non-binary folk. Yeah. As Joe Rogan often says. Whatever pronoun makes you feel comfortable in the back. First up for the prestigious, nay, life-changing award of cover of the week goes to Marvel's Thanos, number six. This cover done by Jeff DeCall, who has won awards on the podcast before. Uh, Jeff DeCall has done a very kind of minimalistic, simplistic approach to the covers of the week. Uh, We were actually very enamored with many of the variants of the week this week, and we had a lot of trouble choosing one of the variants. The regular covers of the week, we we weren't really all struck by any of them. However, one did really stick out to us amongst the crowd. You know, as always, we go to freshcomics.us to kind of look over all the upcoming comics coming to your comic book shops this week. And um, this comic cover just kept popping up in front of us. And we just kept looking at it, just kept looking at it. And we had some others in contention. But this one really was the one in the end that we felt stood out the most and actually did what art is supposed to do and grabs your attention and makes you feel something. So despite its simplicity, uh, it actually is a really, really cool and interesting cover. You have uh, Gamora kind of in the front uh, uh, and center of the the cover there, uh, holding a blade she's wiping the blood from, and you can kind of see the blood splattering uh, throughout different parts of the cover there in a very kind of realistic way, not in a cartoonish way, which is very cool. And instead of really drawing out her entire figure and drawing in the legs and drawing in every part of the arm and the blade itself and her torso, he actually uses kind of the negative uh, color scheme to kind of imply to your brain what is going on and kind of creates the illusion that you know where her body is placed, where her legs are placed, where her torso is oriented in the negative space in the comic cover, which is always a cool effect when done properly. And this one is certainly done properly. Uh, so Jeff DeCall did a really great job on this. In the in the background, you have a, a very uh, 
kind of uh, insidious uh, looking Thanos, who's looking very confident, very bold, and uh, very scheming. Uh, you could almost say he's the Thanos who laughs. <laughs> oh God, please don't. <laughs> no crossovers, please. Uh, but uh, we have a very, very cool silhouette of uh, Thanos there, who is kind of using, Decal, I should say, is using his helmet as to kind of form uh, the left side of Gamora, which is also very cool and a very unique use of color and negative space which is always very cool yeah um, that's a very uh unique approach towards building uh gamora's silhouette yeah what makes me sad is that when you get this cover on the shelf it's probably going to have that big ridiculous red marvel banner across the bottom which hides half of the artwork yeah um and i think in the perspective that we're seeing it on the preview where you don't have that banner across the bottom you're just seeing the artwork i think it looks really awesome you know that's one thing i give dc a lot of credit for they have the kind of the logo and the everything but it's very minimalistic and it's not necessarily imposing quite as much whereas i think marvel still is working out the kinks on you know how to both brand and not take away from the art on the cover, which is always kind of frustrating to me as a person that likes to collect covers and hang them up and frame them and whatnot. So, um, but overall, Jeff to call, you did a great job. I really love the artwork. looks really good. Love the use of negative space. And like I said, it just really stood out to Emery and I. Oh yeah. yeah. That's out of all of the regular covers of the week. uh, This one, this one took it. Yep, so uh, be sure to look out into the future. Uh, did the content match the drapes to see if we are able to catch up to issue number six and tell you whether the content matched the drapes. Next up on your variant cover of the week, the prestigious, nay, life-changing award goes to Justice League Dark, number 15, variant cover done by Clayton Crane. Now, this cover uh, features none other than Detective Chimp. I love this character. (laughs) (laughs) This character is pretty fucking awesome. And (laughs) while I'm not caught up to uh, number 15, I was reading this book quite a bit uh, before we took our break. I think I was up to like issue four or five or six, somewhere in that range. And the book was actually really fucking fun. I really enjoyed the book. I really loved it. Um, If if you're into these fringe characters, the Justice League Dark books are definitely for you. They were dealing with very big menacing issues and situations and concerns. Um, But it was done with great writing. You know, James Tinney in the fourth, uh, I was a really fan, a big fan of his Nightwing run. Uh, He had a few books that I was really into. Uh, I think one of the big ones he was recently doing was uh, Nightwing, the New Order or the First Order, whichever one that was. Um, I I hadn't really dived into that title as much, but I think you had. So, yeah, Uh, this book is definitely worth picking up, even if you're not into the artwork. But this book gives you no excuse. The artwork is great. Uh, the cover is awesome. It's a very well-detailed uh, portrayal of Detective Chimp. And it's just great. It's If you like this character at all or have any interest in this character or just appreciate really good cel-shaded artwork, this is your, your take. It's 
wonderful artwork done in a great uh perspective very forefront uh ready to go um gives a <laughs> surprisingly intimidating look at detective chimp which is always great um and once again has that minimalistic uh logo design that dc has become more known for which is awesome the devil's in the details with this one like from all of the details that make it very clear that detective chimp is actually a chimp uh to the uh, detailed design of the very clear callback to early iterations of Sherlock Holmes yeah. through his clothing and whatnot. The clothing, and then you, you just have the extra layer of character with a cigar in his hand. You know, right. he's known for, he's got the Sword of Eternity in his hand, which is always great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's just, there's so much happening while not, while leaving it to where it seems like there's enough to leave you wanting to open this book and see what the hell is Detective Chimp doing with all of this and looking amazing. Yeah, it's a great piece of art. Um, so big props to Clayton Crane. You made a wonderful cover uh, that we really, really love, and we'll probably get. <laughs> I'm, you know, speaking yeah. for myself, but you know, we'll probably pick this one up. And uh, I will be catching up on Justice League Dark, so I would assume in the very near future episode. Uh, of did the content match the drapes we'll get into whether this did or not i think it probably will oh yeah um now there were some uh comic book covers that we wanted to give shout outs to some positive some negative uh so we're just gonna mention them on the show it's not really an award uh <laughs> but we just thought it would be it, they they were so important to bring up that we felt we had to regardless of whether they won an award or not is th these are what we're going to call honorable and dishonorable there, mentions. There are definitely dishonorable mentions here. <laughs> now, now it's not dishonorable because the artwork's bad. It's dishonorable <laughs> because of what's going on. Uh, so, uh, first up, this one is an honorable mention. This yep. one, Emery and I went back and forth on whether to make it the variant of the week. In the end, we decided to go with uh, the Justice League Dark 15 by Clayton Crane, the detective chimp. Uh, over Batman Curse of the White Knight issue three, the Gordon variant, which is just an awesome portrayal of Sean Gordon Murphy's art style, uh, an incredible rendering of who Gordon is. Uh, uh, it's a distillation of not just the character, but the setting as well. Yeah, honestly, this is the cover that I wish was just a volume cover. Oh my uh, for God, the entire yes. run because it's so good. I don't know how relevant Gordon is in this second kind of season of the White Knight universe, but it's just a great cover, a great showing, a showcasing of Sean Gordon Murphy's style. It's a very unique and very uh, well-rendered style. It's beautiful. I I just really love everything about it. And it's perfectly in season in tune with the start of fall and October which is right around the corner uh, with the colors and the vibrancy. I, I'm going to say it right now. Gotham, the television show, should have been following this James Gordon. 
Yeah. So like n- nothing against the first season of Gotham. That one was pretty cool and interesting. Yeah. I really liked the first season of Gotham is when we got into the weeds with <laughs> Bruce and Catwoman <laughs> who were like five years old. Yeah. Uh, that's when the show really went off the rails and kind of got ruined. But, but uh, yeah, the, like this, this cover makes me think of the seasons two and three of Gotham that I wanted but didn't get. Yeah. Uh but it's a great rendering, great piece of artwork. Really love everything about it. I don't, I don't even see how he could have improved it. Even the, the way the title is labeled and everything, with the very kind of typed, you know, keyboard, man, you know, mechanical keyboard yeah. font to it. Just everything about it. Yeah, screams oh noir, <laughs> screams detective. You know, I just love it. It that. That cover looks like it should come with a monologue. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, big shout out to that. Uh, now on the kind of uh, <laughs> downside of things, the dishonorable shout outs. Um, now, yep. This yep. is this mm. is less because it's a bad cover. The art's fine. It's I, I wouldn't say it's great, but it's fine. There's nothing wrong with the art. Um, well, I'm just is, partial to it. This is more the title of the variant. <laughs> <laughs> they literally named this variant the Shitty Character Decades cover. <laughs> and it shows oh. Gambit, which is Emery's favorite character. Yep. And several decades of Gambit, which is interesting to say the least. <laughs> um, but <laughs> the the reason it's called the Shitty Character de- <laughs> decades cover is because the artist is valerio shitty (laughs) i'm sure there's another way to pronounce your name but i don't care to look it up (laughs) because i find this much funnier uh so valerio shitty you didn't do a bad job your art is fine but uh maybe don't name your variants after your name take a stage name dude (laughs) come the fuck on uh the shitty variants just aren't gonna fly Twelve year, uh, god damn it! Twelve year olds could make fun of this easier. And this one's just extra insulting to you because, uh, d- d- because yeah. it's, it's the shitty character <laughs> decades cover. It's not even like the shitty decades. Yeah. It's, it's not even sh- saying the cover is shitty. It's saying it's like the, the character sh- is shitty, the, like shitty characters. It's like, hey, we decided to give a spotlight to these shitty characters. It's like, uh, like fuck you, the gambit. <laughs> so, fuck you too. So th- there's nothing negative to say about the cover itself but do something about the name (laughs) you can't call your covers the shitty covers call them the valerio covers that's a cool name your first name is very cool use that the the very uh, the very little uh solace that i take from that cover is that i look at that cover under the assumption that that character isn't featured in that story that I completely disagree with. We'll see. We'll see. I guess we will see. And then finally, on our dishonorable uh, awards of the week, (laughs) (laughs) this one, again, is not because the art is bad. The actual art is very good. In fact, it's great. The problem (laughs) is what... What is being portrayed and how it's being portrayed. Uh, this one is the uh, Perio Virgin variant cover of Red Sonia, Birth of the She-Devil number three. Uh, this one is done by Lucio Perio. And uh, Lucio Perio 
clearly you're a very talented artist. Clearly you're very good at your job because the art is actually awesome. It's astounding how good and if, this art is. If it wasn't so boldly ridiculous <laughs> and in a negative fashion in terms of over, over, over sexualization of the character, <laughs> which, you know, it, it's not unknown amongst Dynamite, so we can be forgiving on that front. Um I mean, but it's this not one, like they're boundless. This one is like, oh, I mean, this is this is right on boundless's <laughs> level, though. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'll give you I that. Mean, it's we have Red Sonia. Yeah, we have Red Sonia, basically with her asshole showing, uh, <laughs> with her little bit of loincloth chainmail flying up above her ass. So, like, literally, her entire ass is just exposed <laughs> in front and center. She's chopping off this like you know demon's head with her ass literally sticking out so far that i i swear if i didn't know better i'd say i could see your asshole right now i could <laughs> i feel like i can see her rectum <laughs> as i look at this image because it's so well detailed <laughs> and that ass is so front and center oh and my then God. and then you have the ridiculously oversized boobs <laughs> with barely any covering whatsoever okay there's and side it, boob and then there's well, I mean, there's leaving maybe one line of what I'm assuming is supposed to be her scale male bikini. <laughs> Held together by floss. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, but yeah, the, I mean, yeah. it's it's lit- it's like the little candy clothes that you sometimes see at sex shops, you know, where it's got like the little smarties and the bra, <laughs> and then it's literally just a little piece of cloth that's barely holding everything together. Anyone uh, who's actually worn those would tell you, those aren't smarties, those are dummies. <laughs> what kind of idiot does something that goddamn stupid? Do you want ants? That's how we get ants. <laughs> uh, now... Danger zone. I, you know, I can't speak for Emery, but you know, I'm not a prude. <laughs> I'm very much into uh, covers I probably shouldn't be into sometimes. <laughs> I mean, I got the bombshell girls behind me, which is probably, you know, a little bit of an indictment, despite the artistic flavor to it. A little bit. Uh, you know, I have been known to buy a Stepan Sajic cover or two that uh, <laughs> probably is not for. The weak willed. Are you a Sunstone fan? I am a Sunstone fan. Yes, <laughs> yes. I find it very entertaining, and and not for the reasons you might suspect. Uh, although those are also there. <laughs> I'm just being real. All right. Now there's nothing. Yeah, we keep it real here. There's nothing wrong with wanting a smutty comic or two. It's, it, clearly, you're not going to buy it at the comic shop because it's embarrassing and awkward <laughs> for everybody involved. I'll buy it. <laughs> wow, shameless. Uh, <laughs> you goddamn right. But that being said, you know I'm not going to say I'm innocent on this. You know, if I think the artwork is good enough, and even if it is smutty, I'll probably buy it. You know, and this I've, is this I've... is one where the artwork is actually outstanding. But it is so abrasive and so in your face and so over the top that I'm like, damn, son, even for dynamite, this is kind of pushing the edge. (laughs) Now, I'm not one to be afraid of living on the edge, but I'm not sure if they've caught the the news that it is currently the year 2019 
and like outrage slash cancel culture is in full effect. Well, I don't think Dynamite's cared about that for a while. That's fair. I mean that I'm literally every one of their comics is Vampirella's boobs and you know Red Sonia's groin, <laughs> covered by a thin sheet of scale mail. You know Deja Thoris wearing oh nothing. Deja Thoris. So you know. Oh man, <laughs> uh, it is it is what it is. You know. Yeah, okay, they're the scantily clad, and then there's just the nip cover. <laughs> Deja Thoris. <laughs> I mean, there's Barbarella. You, you, the list goes on. Dynamite is very well known for this. Uh, despite the contents of the comics very rarely being smutty in and of themselves, it's always right. it's always the covers. There's always a million variant covers, and they're all just half-naked women, you know, very scantily clad and very compromising positions. This one, though, this one just goes so far above and beyond because it's not even at the point where it's like we're covering things up now. She's literally got her bare ass exposed there. This is... I mean, if she bent over even a little bit more, you're seeing vag. I mean, (laughs) you're going to see some labia there. (laughs) You know, it's not just blood and guts flying around in there. There's some labia flapping around in the wind. I'm surprised you can't see it now. I I mean, it's detailed enough. It might be in there. (laughs) I'm sure if I zoomed in enough, there might be a flap or two in the wind. Uh, But, uh, yeah, it's... Again, it's done very well. Yeah, yes, extremely well. It's not an indictment on Lucio Perillo at all in terms of talent. I, the the <laughs> but, talent uh, is definitely there. It gets the wherewithal to realize <laughs> what year you're doing this in. <laughs> now, maybe it's maybe it's our fault for assuming that Dynamite is not at the level of say, Boundless is. <laughs> um, what's another company that's kind of in that realm? Is that action? Is it Action Labs that always has the like smutty books? Uh, maybe like the smutty zombie books or whatever. Uh, trying you to know. get some kind of action in those labs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I might be misrepresenting them, but I th- I think it's Action Labs that's often on there. Yeah, Action Labs is one of them for sure. Um, oh yep, yeah, yep. They always have the nude covers that you can buy and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, that that is a thing that they do. But uh you know I, I am not one for censorship. I, I've always assumed that Dynamite was on the edge of that, but never quite crossed over because the stories still, generally speaking, seemed to have some kind of depth to them and seemed to be okay. Like there was some there was a really good run run of uh Red Sonia that uh uh man, she did Batgirl. Gail Simone. Gail Simone wrote, and it was actually pretty good. Like no bullshit taking all the boob stuff aside it was actually a pretty good book um and uh i feel like sometimes the good writing is lost behind this stuff where you have the 20 variants of this uh (laughs) being pushed out into the market and i'm sure it sells that's probably why they do it you know yeah um but (laughs) i'm not gonna dispute that it is it is it did need to be brought to your attention fans out there or at least if not for anything else for your entertainment value <laughs> as we discuss how ridiculous it is i mean it's again lucia perio it's not an indictment in you as an artist it's a it's a great work of art uh it's just <laughs> it's just so unabashedly uh 
I'm not going to say I'm going to go out and buy that cover. I mean... But I'm not going to say I'm not going to go out and buy that cover. Wow, Emery. <laughs> Shameless. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I'm getting venereal disease just looking at this cover. That's that's how in your face it is. <laughs> Coward. Uh, but, you know. I, I'll, I, will, I will do that. I'll, I'll be You'll the guy. You'll get the venereal disease? <laughs> you can't get that through paper. Uh, I think if you better hope, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's I again not a bad piece of art. It's actually a great piece of art, but it's just so <laughs> just so over the top. Uh, which you know is not always a bad thing, but in this case, I think it's. I don't think I've said God damn any harder. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely stood out to us when we were reviewing covers uh for the award this week. So. Uh, without further ado, uh, one last congratulations to Thanos number six from Marvel Comics, uh, cover illustrated by Jeff DeCall, and the Justice League Dark number 15 variant done by Clayton Crane with his rendition of Detective Chimp. Um, so, uh, this is something we haven't done in a while. Let's actually get into a topic. Oh. Uh, we've done so many catch-up e- episodes uh, <laughs> into our, our run and to our break uh, that uh, we, we got away from doing topics on both this show and uh, our other show, Hit the Mats. I want to get back into doing the topics because I feel like it's a really fun part of the show that we've been kind of neglecting for the, the sake of news and trying to push everything along really quickly. So It is a very fun part of the show. Uh, so, Emery... Why don't you introduce us to our topic of the show this week? <laughs> well, now that we've finally reached the end of what we will be called the Infinity Saga that uh, they're about to put a price tag on if you're trying to get all of this on a DVD or several, N- not DVD, probably Blu-ray. We're, people have moved up to Blu-ray at this point, right? Okay. I would hope so. Yeah. It it's it's past time. Come on. I don't does the Xbox One have they Blu-ray do player? They do. Okay. Uh, there's Sony actually makes money on Xbox because of them Good. having to get Blu-ray players. Good for them. There's yeah. no reason not to then. Yeah. Got a PS4, got an Xbox One. Yeah. You it probably like got a you, Blu-ray player. Yeah. You you have a Blu-ray player. Come on. Um But now that we've gotten through the Infinity Saga. We're kind of doing we're kind of doing uh, aftermath stories, which weirdly they ended the Infinity Saga with an aftermath story that I didn't really like, Spider-Man: Far From Home. Yeah, I did, I was not. And it seems like we are going to continue telling stories about basically the aftermath mm-hmm. through. Uh, the slate that's been announced on Disney Plus, the upcoming streaming app, which will now be joining uh, CBS's streaming app, uh, NBC is creating a streaming app, uh, DC Universe app, Warner Bros is creating their app, Hulu has an app that is partially owned by Disney, um, Netflix, Amazon Prime, YouTube, YouTube Live, Sling, um, Voodoo, Voodoo, Crackle, Crackle. Although Crackle's pretty much dead now that mm. Comedians in Cars is 
ha- having coffee is now on Netflix. So uh, yeah, Crackle's pretty much dead. Yeah, there's no reason to They're go to Crackle anymore. Yeah, and then you got your various sports services like we're getting nickel and dimed to oh. death. Oh yeah, and. Just when we thought we were done paying for cable, yep. they decided to try to get us through streaming apps. Yeah. So it's like you, you look at things from one perspective. Finally, it seems like the majority of people have cut the cord and they're onto their streaming apps. It kind of for a while was kind of the big three where you had Amazon Prime, Hulu, and Netflix kind of rounding out everything you would want to watch. And yeah. then they... They kind of built on their libraries and really got some independence from each other with their exclusive content. You know, on Amazon Prime, you have stuff like uh, the Grand Tour. You have the Tick. You have the Man in the High Castle. Uh, I think Mr. Robot is on Amazon. Uh, uh, if I'm not Mis- mistaken. M- Mr. Robot was, I think, on. Uh, I think that was on TNT or TBS or something. Uh, well, but uh, but uh, they did have the marvelous Miss Maisel on there yeah yep uh quite a few and uh netflix is starting to get into uh comedies exclusive uh comedies i think jim gaffigan had one recently yeah um so that's pretty interesting on netflix's end you obviously had all the marvel properties that they no longer uh will have in the future uh because disney we took those rights back so they can't make any more seasons um marvel or netflix also had uh things like uh What's the uh, Stranger Things? That's the one I was trying to yeah, think of. Yeah, that was a big one. At House on Haunted Hill. Uh, that was a, a really great exclusive show. They have several exclusive movies that they made on there that are varying in quality, I would say. But Altered yeah. Carbon was pretty good. Uh, I haven't seen that one yet. Uh, I did see all the San- <laughs> terrible Adam Sandler movies, unfortunately. Oof. Which makes me sad because I am an Adam Sandler fan, and I just <laughs> still <laughs> <The> cl- <laughs> well early Adam Sandler, I should say. <laughs> okay, uh, um, that that makes more sense. Happy Gilmore, you know Billy Madison, Madison, yeah, the, those sorts of things. Uh, but uh, Waterboy, Waterboy, definitely. I <laughs> love Waterboy. <laughs> Fucking love Waterboy. <laughs> uh, my mama said the. Crocodile, so uh, ornate because they have all them teeth and no toothbrush. Which which toothbrush them? I tell you, this boy's got something wrong with his medulla oblongata. For the football fans out there, when Vontez Perfect used to be on the Bengals, he's now with the Raiders and seems to be behaving himself. But when he was on the Bengals, we, my brother and I used to have a running joke that he was Bobby Boucher. <laughs> uh, and he would the reason he would always get penalized is because he was drop kicking players on the field. And so every time he would make a ridiculous play, <laughs> I would just make the Bobby Boucher angry noise. <laughs> <laughs> Or every time, you know, he hit a player, like when he blew up Antonio Brown and now kind of notorious, you know, just before the the playoffs game with Steelers. Yeah. Yeah. I I was making that sound effect when he ran into (laughs) Antonio Brown's head and had just a blatant, terrible, 
uh, personal foul against him, which I, I think literally broke Antonio Brown. I think the reason he's so crazy today is because Vontez Perfect broke his brain on that Jesus. play. Jesus. But, that, that, I mean, it was That vi- would actually track. It was vicious. And I'm a Bengals fan, but I couldn't defend him. I was like, fuck, dude. There's just no going. You fucked up, dude. Yeah. <laughs> and you're going to keep fucking up as long as you're on this team for whatever reason. You know, it might be a culture thing. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, my brother and I always had this running joke. <laughs> every, every time Vontes did something on the field, you know, uh, he's the water boy. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's concerning now because instead of the big three with their big exclusives, uh, you know, now we're kind of in the weeds. You know, where it used to be a value, you know, you could pay. 60 70 80 bucks for you know a a cable package that nickel and dimed you and you got only these specific channels unless you upgraded to this package and this package and this package and then you know you'd only get your cable television and hd quality i mean it's fucking 2019 and you only get hd quality on one tv unless you paid for and several extra boxes that you had to pay rent on and all this other bullshit now, there's a reason why cable and satellite has been dying. It's because it sucks. Yeah, it's a they... shitty pr- price platform. It's shitty pricing. It's a defunct form of media. It's un- completely unnecessary. All you need anymore is an internet router. So if you're not giving us the cable service through an internet router, what's the point? Why do we got to rent these big fucking cable boxes and DVR boxes that are, you know, two decades outdated? You know? Yeah. TiVo isn't a thing anymore for a reason. We it's it's completely defunct. It's unnecessary. It was great for about five years, and then it was irrelevant because technology moved forward. Um, the problem now is that we're facing the same conundrum with these companies getting a little bit too greedy on the other side of the spectrum, where they're trying to cash in on this whole, you know, separate from cable thing, have it your own streaming app thing for your network and site. The problem is, if you want to see all the media you want from each of these networks, and you do want to participate in these networks, now you got to get nickel and dime by each individual app. you got to pay 8 bucks for the DC streaming app, which is probably going to increase in price once their platform grows. You know, I probably have to pay like 10 bucks for the WB app. Disney Plus, I, have they announced pricing for it yet? Uh, I assume I, it's going to start low and then y- get really expensive down the line. Yeah, from what I saw, it looks like it was going to get like maybe even close to like five bucks maybe a little lower since yeah. it's not going to start it with stay that way yeah it's not going to start with their entire catalog on there which also has people kind of questioning like if you're not going to have the whole thing on there then what the hell are you gonna have yeah um but yeah this is this is pretty indicative of the the direction that the entertainment industry at yeah. large seems to be going is like, if we can't uh, get you for either paying like close to like 150 a month yeah. after, you know, your one year contract after your one year contract is up and it's like okay you got the special deal and now we're gonna give you the real price and like yeah. oh my god what do you mean like i need to pay 150 for this whole thing yeah um the only reason 
why these things work is because they're going to do what Disney is about to do, which is start really small, promise a whole lot of exclusives. Mandalorian, I'm looking at you. Yeah, which, you know, fine. Star Wars is ruined for me. So, <laughs> you know, the, pre- I... the prequels did a good job of kind of hurting the brand. And then Ryan Johnson just drove a stake right through its heart for me. So I can't. I, I'm sorry. That movie was so terrible and took all the excitement I got from episode seven away from me and just drained me. I actually just recently watched Solo. Was it any good? I sure didn't. I didn't watch it. Like I said, Ryan Johnson just ruined my interest in the Star Wars universe entirely. Uh, y- yeah. I I should have taken what happened with The Last Jedi as an indication of the quality going forward. Oh, because that's, that's sad. Uh, Alden Ehrenreich had one chance to prove himself as Han Solo, and I wish the writers had realized that this was his one and only shot because what they gave him was... <sighs> it sucked. <laughs> it sucked real fucking bad. Oh, no. It was like... <sighs> when you take something as iconic as Han Solo's like famed Kessel Run... And turn that into some hodgepodge, gonna get like barely lucky bullshit. Where Han is barely even needed for the thing to succeed at all. (sighs) They had one shot. They had one shot, and the story did it, it failed. It's it was so I would have been more happy had they never given Han Solo his own movie, especially considering the fact that. And this is going to be like probably my biggest issue with the Black Widow movie that's going to be coming out like in the this coming year. She's already dead. Yeah, it is a concern. The time to do that is gone. Yeah. So it's it's a problem for them going forward. <laughs> I but just, that, it, it just killed any interest in the Mandalorian for me. I just I don't have any confidence in the the future of the franchise. You know, I I love J.J. Abrams. I think he did a very good job with Episode Seven. You know, people complained that it was too similar to you know the original trilogy storylines, particularly the first movie, of course. But uh, you know, he was doing it for a reason. You know, right? I, this I, was I think to, he, he tried it, to ease people back into Star yeah, Wars. Yeah, and, and and the familiar archetypes were a cast of new characters that were super interesting and done very well and fleshed out in an interesting way. And then Ryan Johnson just shit on everything, <laughs> in my opinion, just shit on everything that made those characters interesting, that made Ray interesting, that made, uh, you know, uh, Finn interesting, that made uh poe dameron interesting i th- I thought he just completely lost sight of what the fuck was going on what jj abrams was trying to develop from a character standpoint 
and Ryan Johnson instead of getting oh. a character driven movie we got you know a spot segment over the course of a 48 hour you know car chase in space and a slow one at that you know it's like oh. you know the OJ Simpson car chase where they were going super slow and he was driving the fucking Bronco and there's just a billion fucking car <laughs> cop cars behind him yeah. and people are just watching for an hour while they slowly followed him down the highway in LA like that's what this movie felt like except there's a side quest in the middle of it where we had to give Finn something to do cuz we forgot he existed it, it, even yeah. though he was kind of the focus of the entire first movie right and then we sent Finn off on some side quest to liberate some fucking space camels <laughs> uh, and you know introduce a character that we said doesn't exist but then he totally exists uh just so he can be you know a plot device later it's that movie's just awful. Just awful. Ruined the characters. Ruined Luke Skywalker for me. Just <laughs> it ruined so many things. Ruined Finn. Ruined Ray. Just uh, that po, movie was po so. Dameron didn't matter in the movie at, at all. They had the perfect opportunity to kill Carrie Fisher's character. Didn't do so, and in fact made her a fucking laughing stock. I mean, w- if when I can we, when space I, god Leia. I and several other people in the theater literally laughed out loud when that scene happened with Space Leia. <sighs> literally laughed out loud in the theater. I couldn't believe that's what they did with her. It was so ridiculous. Ugh. All right. I'm, I'm done ranting. Back to the original topic. Uh, okay. <laughs> Streaming apps. Uh, uh, yeah. <coughs> Last bit on Star Wars. I got to say one more thing. <laughs> Uh, Last Jedi failed so hard, it became the light by which I see Episode 7, which I actually now kind of hate. Thank you, Ryan Johnson. Rogue One was so good. Rogue One? It's my favorite Star Wars movie now. Rogue One tried. I like Rogue One more than Empire. That's how much I love that movie. It was so good. And you shat all over it, Ryan. Uh, Yep. Yep, you sure did. And they're trying to give him his own trilogy, although now they're backtracking on that quite a bit, which is a good thing. Okay. You should backtrack okay. on that. Okay, they're publicly backtracking, but I think he's still got it. I hope the fuck not. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need it. Uh, uh, from what Find I, someone else. From what I hear, Knights sh- of... This n- should have been a J.J. Abrams trilogy, and instead we got Ryan Johnson kind of shoved in the middle of it for no goddamn reason. Uh, I'm just saying, I, I hear Knights of the Old Republic is happening. God. <laughs> don't let Brian touch it, please. <laughs> I don't care how big a fan he is. He's, he's bad at his job. <laughs> no, he's bad at doing movies that aren't Matter. his. <laughs> it's like, I, I've seen his movies. His movies are actually kind of good. Star Wars, no. Star uh, Star don't, Wars, don't he should not hit. It's not him. Don't touch superhero stuff either. Oh just, no, just no! Away. Don't you better fucking not. Stay far away, please, please. Um. <sighs> so yeah, uh, yeah. These streaming services, um, uh, it kind of sucks because it's it's kind of hurting you know comic book fans who really enjoyed the the Netflix shows that Marvel had going. You know, these shows that we have on Hulu and uh, these other platforms, you know, stuff like Cloak and Dagger and, you know, that sort of thing. It's probably going to go to the wayside. You know, they were producing, you know, Howard the Duck 
show comedy show with uh kevin smith that was supposed to be on hulu you know that's probably in the year now with this new app coming out so you know who knows what the future holds but uh, a lot of these comic book materials are probably not going to be around for the long term yeah outside of the disney you know them giving kevin smith howard the duck is hilarious to me uh it's almost a perfect matching (laughs) we'll see how it goes i'm not a big howard the duck guy but you know it's it makes sense in my head he he was there to fight thanos that's confirmed like you can for like one freeze frame frame. (laughs) you, you can freeze frame and find howard the duck in it uh but yeah there's definitely some concerns there. I think they're going to get stretched too thin. I think several of these apps are going to start dropping off, uh, if not getting bought out by the mouse. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see you're struggling. Ho-ho. Hot dog. <laughs> you're not going to do anything with Hulu? Huh? <laughs> we'll buy 100% of the shares. Ho-ho. There's nothing you can do. Ho-ho. <laughs> Gorsh. <laughs> Monopolies oh. are a good thing. <laughs> I see you're not doing anything with Spider-Man over there. <laughs> Why don't I buy your entire company? <laughs> hey, Amazon. How about you buy out uh, Sony so I can get Spider-Man back? That's a great idea, Goofy. <laughs> <laughs> Let's burn him to the ground, Goofy. <laughs> I think Jeff Bezos might be a Spider-Man MCU fan. <laughs> <laughs> Let's burn Amazon to the ground, Goofy. <laughs> Gorsh. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's it's a concern for sure. I mean, there's shows that I've completely missed out on, not because I wanted to, but because they were on some exclusive streaming app, and I don't feel like buying it. Uh, one of those being uh, the the Star Trek Discovery show that was on the exclusively on the CBS streaming app, which sucks because uh, I really love Star Trek and I was really interested in what their take was going to be. Um, another example is all the shows on the DC streaming app. You know, they look pretty interesting. I've heard really good things about the Swamp Thing show, Doom Patrol. I love Brendan Fraser. I'm glad that he's doing something relevant again. There is um, one bad thing that I heard about. As far as the um, Swamp Thing. Oh, no. That's sad. Don't tell me. I'm going to tell you. Oh. It was canceled. Well, yeah. (laughs) I did hear that. (laughs) Even though it got a bunch of critical reviews saying it's great, it got canceled. First, it got cut in half. They cut the episodes in half. And then it got canceled before they even finished releasing all the episodes. And it sounds like everybody liked it. So I don't. I don't understand why or what the thought process was other than WB executives do a lot of coke and they make rash decisions and often poor decisions. So I I don't know what was going on. Yeah. I, I think it might have uh, done better had there been more viewership Yeah, just but, across DC Universe streaming app and in general. Well, I mean, come on. It's seven mm. what seven ninety nine. Like it's almost the same price as a Netflix subscription, and it's not nearly as good as a Netflix subscription. Whether you do you get advertisements? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everything does nowadays. Um, yeah, unless you're trying to pay top dollar Netflix. I'm looking at you. But uh, yeah, there's. I mean, there's some 
concerning things uh, in the market right now and it's preventing people and fans from watching the shows they love it's also giving opportunities for shows like you know titans and uh swamp thing to get made you know whereas they might not have had the opportunity to be produced outside of those streaming apps that are trying to draw people in with their exclusive content so in some respects it's doing good things and giving opportunities to different creators and actors and actresses despite them stumbling a little bit you know i think titan stumbled quite a bit you know where they had this alternate reality for the entire first season we of have Titans. to come up with a reason to put a jewel in raven's head it was a fever dream basically <laughs> <laughs> and, and and then you got the issues with starfire you know the the character not making any aesthetic sense whatsoever with the starfire character at all uh, and then you got the issues with the Swamp Thing, with the production issues, where it costs way more than they thought it was, and they cut the episodes in half, and then they got rid of the show entirely, despite it not even being fully released. Yep. Uh, they still haven't made a Matt Ryan uh, Constantine on the streaming app yet. Hashtag save Constantine. Despite me promising several times to purchase the app if they do so, and they refuse to do so, which is a shame. Uh, despite me promising to purchase several subscriptions for people. Uh, it's, oh my god, come on. Uh, you know, it's, it's fine. It's, so. it's fine, everything's fine. <sighs> Nothing to see here. Do it. Uh, and then <laughs> Come Doom, on. Doom Patrol's gotten positive press and stuff like that, so that's that's good, I guess. It put uh, Brendan Fraser back on the map. I love Brendan Fraser. I'm glad he's back. Yeah, he, he's kind of you know a little bit fat and kind of old looking, depressing me a little bit. But he's relevant again, and that's all he, that matters. He's relevant, and hey, his character before being a robot was a, he was a NASCAR driver, so where he was in life kind of fit <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i love brendan fraser and uh i'm sure that show's pretty good so um do you have any more to add to the topic um only thing i can say at this point is that uh we have yet to see how well the disney streaming app is going to perform and I am really scared of it doing well because that only means further monetization of streaming as a service. Yeah, my my biggest concern as a comic book fan for this development with Disney Plus is that we're not going to get those alternative views of these different characters anymore like everything is going to be tied into the current marvel cinematic universe right we're not going to get those kind of risky endeavors like we got with the netflix shows you know which were you know there was some stumbling in there you know iron fist i'm looking at you but <laughs> uh there was some really high quality stuff in there there's some great writing great character work great actors and actresses portraying these different characters jessica jones you know luke cage you know, Daredevil. Luke Cage season two, specifically. A Punisher, yeah. et cetera. I mean, Punisher, they, oh my God. They did some oh. really cool stuff and really took risks that you couldn't do in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And it didn't need to be tied in the Cinematic Universe. And it was great. You know, they did their other stuff. You know, there's Cloak and Dagger and all their other, you know, kind of fringe stuff that was bouncing around the other properties as well, which may or may not be tied into the MCU, but didn't need to be tied into the MCU. Now we're almost exclusively getting stuff that's tied into the MCU and is coming directly from the movies, which is kind of sad because the movies are at a point where you've told the story already. 
Right. There's not really much else to tell unless you introduce the X-Men and Fantastic Four. Like, which is the only thing anyone's really talking about at this point. Yeah. It's so, like you've got them. Literally, the only thing we want to know is what the fuck are you going to do with them? Yeah. And rumors on that, <laughs> I think, are going to be a topic for another episode. It'll be a good topic. And we hope that you are there for it. So with that, I think it's a great point to uh, end the show. Say goodbye. Uh, as always, you can check us out on Stitcher, iTunes, Podbean, uh, let's see here, iTunes, whatever the Apple podcast service is now, um, Spotify, YouTube. Be sure to give us a like and subscribe and give us a five-star rating, high ratings. All that stuff helps us out. If you got constructive criticisms, criticisms for us, please send them our way so we can do things to try to improve the show. Uh, and just try to keep things positive. You know, get, oh, yeah. if you got an issue, just give us a solution that you think might be viable, and tell us why or why not. So, oh yeah, uh, that's all we ask. And we do really appreciate your feedback. Uh, again, we have a Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash hit the books. It is a little outdated and a little bit janky because uh, we do need to fix some things on it. And Patreon, it, as good as they are to us, they don't have the best platform in the world. Uh, but they are pretty much the only platform that's relevant. So right. uh, they're still getting better, just like we are. We're trying to patch everything, get everything going. So uh, do forgive us. We will get that updated. And of course, you can check out our website, htbvids.com, where you can check out our blogs and individual posts. You can check out our covers, our previous covers of the week and uh, awards of covers of the year and all that jazz. Uh, you can find links to all of these things. You can always reach out to us on our Twitter, HTB, at HTBVids. Uh, we are active on there, so if you send us a tweet, we will try to respond if we can. Uh, we are active on our Facebook page as well, facebook.com forward slash hit the books. Uh, both of those are much more up to date than our uh, <laughs> Patreon page. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which oh, probably yeah. tells you something. Um, and, of course, there's no obligation to contribute to the show if you don't want to. We appreciate you just being here, listening in, watching the videos. And remember, uh, we will tell you what the uh, new comic books coming to your local comic book shops this Wednesday are on a separate video on our YouTube channel. If you do care to look at that and see what the new uh, comics are. Uh, again, we use freshcomics.us uh, as our resource. Uh, it's a great website uh, curated by a guy that really cares and is very responsive to uh, emails, which we found out when we talked to him about uh, his recent, well, I shouldn't say recent, but the changes he made to the site about a year ago. Um, so big shout out to uh, the curator of freshcomics.us and that website. It's a really great resource. Go check it out. Um, do you got anything to add? Anything missed out? No, I think you pretty much covered it. Okay. So look forward to uh, our next episode. Remember, keep an eye out if you're a fan of wrestling uh, to our Hit the Mats podcast that I do with my buddy uh, Dan the Man Maloney. We'll probably have some of our friends, uh, uh, Caleb and Shane, on here before too long. They'll probably join us for an episode or two, especially with the pay-per-views and stuff in the, the future. And uh, AEW getting their big starts and... Uh, we got NXT coming to cable television, which is a big change. So there's a lot of cool things on the horizon to talk about and great uh, subjects for topics in the future. So be sure to look out for that. Uh, without further ado, we'll say goodbye. We love you all. We'll see you next week. Adieu. And of course, Bob says goodbye as well. 
Although the Batman mask is devouring his face slowly. And so we may have to replace Bob with his twin, Bob. <laughs> uh, they basically have uh, taken each other's name and spelled them backwards. Uh, so you got Bob and then flip that around. You got Bob. Uh, they are brothers, twin brothers, in fact. Uh, although this one is slowly being eroded away and will probably have to be decommissioned. In the end, there can be only one. Bob. <laughs> Bob, man. <laughs> All right. Thank you, folks. We'll see you next week. Love you. Goodbye.